I mean, did it not? Did it not fit? Did it not fit? What's up, Trash Pandas? Welcome to In Addition, where we try our best to find the treasure in the trash with your hosts, Tony P, Mike, Steph, and Swan. Slide us into your weekly podcast feed, or we'll wind down your Wednesday nights at twitch.tv slash NADDpod. What's up, Trash Pandas? It is your boy. It's Mike E. Uh, here again with Swan, Steph, and Tony P. Um, I'm sorry. I am laughing already. Uh, lever number one in chat just murdered me uh, just before <laughs> we went live with this episode. He said, I just Googled this Sebastian fellow. I feel like sex for me would not even be good enough, despite the fact that it clearly would be. <laughs> if you want to know what that's all about, uh, <laughs> I guess you're going to have to come and hang out with us live uh, on Wednesday nights, every other Wednesday night here on twitch.tv slash NADD pod. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we've had three great questions as topics tonight, uh, and I am going to mix it up and go with a dumb statement. Oh boy. Change is inevitable. That's the topic tonight. True. And before we get uh spun out here on this, I want to be clear. Uh people have varying abilities to deal with change, and that's not what this episode is about. Thank God. Uh this episode is about the stuff we used to do. Oh no. And the reason I bring it. <laughs> Go back to how bad we are with change. <laughs> uh, the reason I bring it is because last night uh, I went to a show and I saw the band Just Friends. Uh, I mentioned them during Swan's uh, Swan's episode about like, what are you listening to lately? And Just Friends just put out this amazing record that is a mix of like indie rock and funk and R&B. And like, I mean, they have they have like melodies uh and like musical lines that are basically ripped out of like a snoop dogg song produced by dre from the 90s like it's just it's so uh evocative of like a california vibe situation right but they started as one of those emo revival bands and so it was a lot of heavy guitars and screaming and like they played for years as a band that sounded like that and they stopped having fun and so they stopped playing that stuff and they started playing this wholly different sound where it's funky it's fresh it's new in a like different throwback way it's it's like it's just a positive good time and they were talking uh, last night when they came back for their encore and they were like, listen, uh, we started this band when I was 17 and I'm 28 now. Uh, the song that y'all are yelling for us to play as an encore song I wrote when I was 17. I sang when I was 17. I recorded it at 17 years old. My voice doesn't even do that stuff anymore. <laughs> so like... And let me tell y'all, that old shit, nobody liked it. We played for years and nobody came out to those shows and nobody was into it. And like, I love that y'all want to hear it, but like, let's be real. Y'all weren't there. Uh, and like the stuff that we play now is what y'all like 
come out for and it's what we like better so like we'll play the old stuff if you ask for it as long as you also continue to love the new stuff <laughs> and if you don't support the new stuff then fuck the old stuff and so it got me thinking like the stuff you used to do what's your relationship with it now with time as a mirror to hold up to it I just got to say real quick before we jump into that, I, um, you know, the encores last, it was probably kind of late. I'd be like, dog, I, I got to go to bed. Could we, you gonna, you gonna <laughs> so, if you don't, if you don't want to play it, cool. Just be like, hey, I'm not the, playing that. If you're going to play the it, best part about it? Play it and then we can go. <laughs> so for the encore, two songs before they went out to like for the encore, right? Uh, they go, okay, so we can do that thing where we do. We finish up our set and then we go off stage and then we come back uh, because you cheered loud enough or fucking whatever. Or we can just keep playing. What do y'all want? And like uh, everybody was kind of split in the crowd. They were like, no, we like yelling for an encore. And then like <laughs> they're like, all right, we're not getting any answer from you guys. Fuck you. Like what are the people in the far back want? And like there were these two people in the back that were just going ham all night uh, and they yelled that they want an encore. And so they were like, all right, we're doing an encore for y'all. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Julian Casablancas is like another like I'm too cool for school. They yeah. won't. They won't. Well, at least when I saw them ages ago, they're like, we don't do encores. This is our last song. I hope you enjoy it. Good night. And I was like, hey, I yeah. appreciate that, dog. I got places right. to be. <laughs> Yeah, I like that when the band goes, we could pretend to do that or we could just play three more songs. And so we're going to play three more songs or when a band does multiple encores. Okay. Like uh, yeah. I saw the mountain do, I saw the mountain goats do three encores once uh, because like people were still going ham. And he was like, you know, uh, he was, and like the way this dude is, is like, he isn't going to bullshit. And he goes, I, I don't do this. Uh, but y'all have been screaming, so here I am. Like, <laughs> so like those are my two extremes: no encores, multiple encores, <laughs> nothing but encores. No encores, one song set. But anyway, <laughs> we've, yeah. hey, look, we've gotten off topic already. Uh, yeah, so, so things um, we used to do that we don't do anymore. Yeah, or like uh, Swan, I especially thought of you because you talk a lot about how your art style has kind of evolved and changed over the years. And like the way that uh, I've seen you on Doodle Crew, like pull up old things that you've done and then like redo them in your current style. Like, I know you've talked about it there, but for the <laughs> folks who haven't maybe seen those episodes, like what does that feel like for you? <laughs> when bad. you do that it feels bad uh i i do it for entertainment's sake because it's funny it's funny to laugh at past me uh on a nicer comment to that um yeah there is an authenticity to the art i was making in middle school in high school there was a uh, i really loved the things that I loved. I really loved anime when I was getting into it. I really loved magical girls. I really loved fighting game girls. So I drew a lot of that because I really, really loved it. I, I think there's something neat about the fact that I still get to do 
drawings that I really like and I get to draw the things that I really enjoy, but I have taken the time to learn about a whole bunch of other things and I'm now better at it. But looking back at the old art, it is allowing myself to be okay that that was a step along the process that I had to be at this level at some point in order to get where I am now. I had to sure. be painfully harsh on myself and my skills uh, because I did have a lot to learn. I think what is nice now is I can be kinder to myself because I don't care as much in a weird, that sounds weird, but it's more of the, I'm going to keep making this art. I know I'm going to get better because time has now proven to me that if I keep practicing, I will get better. And so looking back on, you know, pieces that I thought were really, really great and being like, wow, this is, this is not, this is not great. It's, it's precious because tiny Emmy was precious and she really believed in it. And so I get to keep that same enthusiasm, but not be as worried about how the final product looks. Enjoy the act of doing it. It's a very long, complicated answer, but no, yeah. I'm I'm glad about it because like that's what it felt like they were saying as a band, right? Like we have these songs where we knew three chords and we yelled a lot. Uh, yeah. Now we write full band compositions of funky, cool music that is technically so far beyond what we did. Uh, if y'all like it, I guess we'll play one of these. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's the it kind of ties into to Steph's topic that we talked about with brand. And it was when you are learning as an artist, and I think this is across the board, whether it's music or actual physical drawing or painting or any of that, you learn by copying other people. So, you know, I really wanted to draw anime and manga. So I drew a lot of anime and manga and it informed my style. My style grew out of that. But at the time I was so convinced that that was, this is the box that I'm going to put my style in and this is my brand and this is how it's going to be. And as soon as I kind of opened that up a bit more and let other influences come in and learn different things and grew as an artist, I got to actually develop a style that is now just mine. And I'm not just playing parody of other people or mimicking something else. I've actually found my art. I think that's yeah. natural, though. Like, that's where a lot of people and whatever it is they are, um, you know, art, I'll even like sports. Everybody wants to be. You know, they dream of being Michael Jordan. They dream of being uh, Taylor Swift, whatever. And when you're getting into that, you emulate those that you like. Yes. And you, I, I think it's necessary. It's a necessary step to get you in the door, in the action, into the doing it, you know. And then if you want to go past that, you, you know, you have that feeling that I, I know you had, Swan. Like, I want to do more than just emulate this other person. You know, and then some people don't. If if you know they're happy, you know, maybe they start a cover band. Who knows? And they're happy doing that. But you know, it's I I think it's definitely uh, the place to start. You know, to a lot of comedians point. they emulate other comedians, and they you know it's it's common, and that's how you can kind of tell like where somebody's amateur. At. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you sound a lot like so and so. And I know you can't make it pretending to be, I used to have a joke a long time ago that I had, it was a joke about people pretending to be Dave Chappelle or like basically a joke about them pretending to be characters on Chappelle show just in real life, but you're not that person. And, and that was a thing for a while. 
Like that was people's yeah. comedy for the longest time was yeah. Chappelle show bits, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to that point, Tony, uh, when I was in like uh, when I was in T-ball learning to swing a baseball bat, uh, my stance was Trot Nixon's of course. batting stance. Uh, or, or no, Otis Nixon's batting of stance. Of course. Not Trot, not Trot Nixon. With the one leg out, super straight, super stiff uh, front leg, like way back on my back leg. And the, like, you know, the baseball coach was like, what do you, come on, kid. <laughs> if, if you don't have Trot Nixon in your store, can you use some fixing? <laughs> but so, like, for you, Tony, um, do you ever revisit some of your old stand-up stuff? Like, uh, I know as as you've moved more into hosting gigs than like uh, performing them, uh, you you still have to tell jokes as a host. Do you ever like dip back into the stuff that you used to do, like that used to work, or like, um, how do you I, feel about those? Or um, dipping, I I am not a very nostalgic person um i don't even i don't i don't even take a lot of pictures um in fact i was like we're taking some pictures i'm like you're gonna have to remind me because <laughs> it's just not a thing i do i don't take pictures i'm here i see it you know um so yeah just let's see if i can unfreeze i look there we go i look so angry <laughs> for a minute like i was gonna drop some knowledge like yo check it out y'all here's the thing about systemic racism in this country that's what it looked like i was gonna say but i'm not gonna um but no, I'm not very nostalgic. Um, I don't go back to the well. I don't I don't even really think about it. Sometimes I, I'll come up with an idea and I'm like, oh, I already did that. Um, but other than that, no, I don't really, really think back about it too much. I'm hopeful that it's in me and I've grown. I can probably benefit by going back and thinking about some things, but very rarely do I do. I do have a few ideas. There's a couple ideas for projects and things that, I, I keep on the, on the back burner. Um, but things that have already happened or I've already done, I don't go back to. That's just... a, that's a very cool thing because it's very specifically in art too, because there were times where I had project ideas that I did not have the skill set to do. I could not sure. execute them the way that I wanted, the way I saw in my head, because I lacked the skills. I lacked the knowledge. I lacked the outlet for it. Or even we'll say to a certain point, I lack the technology. I lacked the ability to actually physically do it. But it doesn't mean it's not a good idea. It's still there. But now that I have a different skill set, now that I have a different way of creating it or even different perspective on it, I can take that same good idea and update it and bring it back. Steph, you are going to have to talk this episode <laughs> uh, about any of the stuff that you used to do. And how you feel about doing it now. Um, and you can you can get into whatever you want. Uh, I don't want to, you know, push you around here. Yeah, I I guess for like directing, I'll stick there. Okay. Um, for a show, <laughs> for a show I directed. Um, and I can, I'll put that, that's in air quotes for those of you listening on the uh, podcast. Um. God, Lover Number One, what was the first show? Because we did Much Ado, but I didn't direct that one. Geary did. Um, what did we do? It was, was oh, Midsummer came after that. Midsummer came after that. But I was like co-director. I was really. Um... <laughs> <laughs> wow, Lover Number One. 
murdered Steph. <laughs> Official, like, uh, two points on the board. Uh, Steph went from actively not feeding our goldfish to being a great dog owner. <laughs> That's Listen. amazing. Pascal had it coming. He was a real bitch. Um, uh, R.I.P. Pascal, never forget. No, I, okay, so <laughs> those fish lived a long time. Um, <laughs> Not as long as I could have. So I, the first, like, I, I was really adamant that I wasn't going to direct. I didn't want to direct because I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to act Shakespeare. But like, I so I created the company. And I was like, okay, well, somebody else is going to direct now because I want to act in this. And then I just like, no one else was going to do it. So I had to do it. Um, and I like when I started directing, it was just basically like, okay, um, I guess I can help tell you like what this line means, but I don't, I guess like the vision is Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> and like, I was like, I wasn't good at it. And I, sometimes I watch back those shows and I'm like, oh God, I could have made a choice, any choice. I could have, I could have told them to do anything. And the shows were objectively very, very good because the actors that I had were very, very good. Um, and I had people who had never done Shakespeare before and I could help them with that part of it. I could help tell them what, what it meant and what they're like, you know, meant to be feeling and thinking. Um, but like, I didn't have a cohesive vision. And I feel like the first time that really like kind of clicked the first time I was like, oh, I have an idea was when I directed Macbeth. And then it just kind of like, I got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better with each show. Um, and then I started doing like, we're going to have one rehearsal. So we're back to no direction. We're back to like no parents, no rules. Um, so I would really, um, <laughs> number one says, all of us were just trying to branch out because we were underutilized, which was very true at the theater that we were at. Uh, and you built it from there. See, I said something nice. <laughs> uh, he also despair. I was gonna say you. I see you neglected to say to mention when he said Pascal was better than Arthur. Shut your whore mouth. I did, I did. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, I won't neglect that comment. Uh, I, I don't know why. I've never seen Steph smoke a cigarette ever, and I don't know if you ever have. But in my head, when you were directing, you were, and you were just like. I don't I don't care. Well, what am I? Fine. You feel you feel what you feel. Go there. It's fine. Do they whatever. Um yeah, no, I was to do like, oh okay, that was deep. I think it's yeah, I don't know. I like a lot of my directing was like um I would have people read the scene on their feet so that you know I could see how it felt and then I would like try to get ideas from there. I was just bullshitting my way through it. Um but like, yeah, I, I've gotten a lot better and I think I'm, I'm decent at it. Um, and I, it's something that I haven't been able to do, like really like do for a long time. Um, and I, I miss it. And I think I would be better at, I, like, I see things that I like would be better at now, but it's the same with acting. Like I look at roles that I've played and I'm like, again, <laughs> could have made any choice. You just, <laughs> you just didn't make any. I think yeah. he's visualizing a beret. He said explicitly no smoking. Everybody in a beret smokes. Like, <laughs> She's got a beret actually in the other room right now. Is uh, it the Olympic one? Is it the Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Olympians and berets don't smoke. All right, you got me there. 
ah. coming out like and now italy man you know i mean the italians they're different yeah yeah that'd be a flex but yeah, that's, <laughs> i guess that's i guess that's it i think there's something really interesting in only knowing you and your career in this part like i didn't know you before directing but i think just from what i've learned about you what i've seen in how you attack your teaching and how you attack your Shakespeare, I think there's a lot of adaptability. And there is a taking your natural hype and taking your ability to see great things in your actors and hype them up and finding ways to continue to let that part of it shine and being more comfortable in, okay, this is actually a plan. It's not just me winging it. It, you know, it is it is a concentrated effort and I can adapt to these situations and I can mm -hmm. trust my team that, that we'll figure it out and we'll still make a good production. Yeah. And that's like the one thing that I wanted to be as a director that I started out being, and I think I've continued being is that like every single person in the play has a purpose and has something that makes them special and makes them vital to the play happening. Like that's like, that was my mission. That's my artistic statement. And, okay. uh, <laughs> and that hasn't that hasn't changed so yeah i don't know um it's funny because matter <laughs> <laughs> except pascal fuck him fuck pascal as she flicks her ash into his bowl <laughs> eat that you bitch <laughs> um so as we were preparing for this, as I, sorry, as I was preparing to ask y'all this, I thought to myself, I don't have anything to talk about here. Uh, improvising isn't real. Uh, there is no, uh, like, would you do that scene again? No, because it can't ever happen again. Right. Yeah. But like um, what I started to think about as we were talking and then lost limey said it in chat. <clears throat> I've read some of my older writing pieces and cringed mightily. So something that I don't know that I've ever said on this show uh, is that I wrote and performed slam poetry for a long time. I was just going to say, Mikey, you start right. This is news. You have not said uh, this. Like a long time, um, years and years and years. Started in high school. Uh, I saw, I saw the National Poetry Slam champion Danny Solis in uh, a bookstore and like art space in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, when I was sixteen, and I had been writing cheesy little, you know, rhyming quatrains and like shit like that as poetry as a like sad sixteen-year-old. Uh, and then I saw someone do a slam poem for the first time. Uh, and it like blew my mind. And thinking now about the stuff that I wrote then at 17 years old is so fucking cringy. <laughs> like now that I have this perspective, the idea that a band like Just Friends would play a song that they wrote when they were 17 for people who are asking to hear it is even bigger of a deal. Like, I am shocked 
and like moved that they would do that to uh that is not true step to foot <laughs> cat. if our patreon makes twelve hundred dollars a month we'll release the poetry dude that is absolutely a fucking lie uh what's the biggest lie you've ever told yeah <laughs> but so like oh, i and- uh, yeah i just i would never do that i would never ever 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 uh show the stuff that i wrote at 17 to anyone now and like maybe that's another 10 years down the line right like they're 28 now when they're 38 maybe they won't play uh this song called welcome maths where the chorus is welcome maths don't mean a thing when you're not even welcoming like it's terrible it's so 17 and it's so hard on your sleeve right and like it's so cheesy uh but that's something that they appreciate about it. Like Swan, you were saying earlier, uh, there's like a, there's a joy and a heart to it that like, I, I hope to God, I never feel anything the way that I felt when I wrote poems at 17. That, that, well, I miss the unbridled imagination part to a certain extent. I don't miss the inability to not to function feel, to feel not feel everything to yeah to not be able everything to was so brutal like everything was either the highest high or the lowest low and there was never a middle y'all no. i still have all of my college journals you want to talk about like cringe <laughs> this is how much i trust mike is that they're all just like sitting on our bookcase or wherever they are He's not going to read them. Like, why would he? He doesn't need to see that. But like, oh, man, when I was moving, I thought about throwing them away. And then I was like, in like 20, 30 years, like, I'm going to really want to look back at this shit. (laughs) Mike says 1,200 and the journals are out. (laughs) I just see 17-year-old Mike smoking a fake cigarette. A sugar cigarette. Like a candy cigarette. Yes, honest tonight to God. Yes, could be the <laughs> night I fall in love with you <laughs> over again. Dude, it was brutal. Isn't it interesting really though that comeback. that there are some things where, like, there's some art that I can look back on and be like, "Hey, man, you tried. Like, good on you, yeah, Lemmy. Yeah. You tried." And other stuff, I'm just like. What were you? What do- were you why doing? were you yeah. this way? Why yeah, some of the, were you like this? Some of them like aren't even fucking poems. They're just rants. <laughs> you know, like it's just like you're mad at your mom, and I get it. Like it wasn't good, but like, wow, boy, <laughs> yeah, easy. Uh, like some of them used, you know, poetic devices, so that was cool. Uh, but like, yeah, it just woof. And then like. Yeah, I don't know, y'all. Uh, the stuff that I did back then, I don't know that I could do now for any amount of like uh, request. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, no, I don't. I don't value the opinion of someone who would like that enough to hear it again. I think, but I think the difference. Over I think the again. fundamental difference between your slam poems or my uh, short stories or or even Swan's art, like. I think the difference is we didn't release those for public consumption. 
I perform them at like <laughs> like oh, at boy. slams and at like open mics and stuff. Like I was doing, yeah. Like I was working it, yeah, and it was I, yeah, he, he huh? meant that. garbage. He meant that. Yeah, like, I guess it just like. I mean, I guess you could have a fan from you know yeah. Gardner in two thousand one. <laughs> yeah, fuck oh. that person if they're out there. Uh, <laughs> and you're asking for those you. poems. Hard no. I was I thinking more about like the fact that they put it out as an album. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's how they got their start. It was meant to be consumed right. wide as widely yes. as it possibly could be. Yeah, um, yeah. If I had recorded it and released it, like, I don't know. Even then. Because, well, like, with a... the democratization of digital media, right? Sure. Like, anyone can do that now. Yeah, that's true. Yo, Again, uh, if you are 17, we're talking a different time. We're talking a different yeah. time. Yeah. When we if were you are 17... 17 and listening to this, don't record your poetry. Yep. Because you don't know. Like, record it, you don't but know don't what post might it. Happen. Like, just don't, just, just give it a second. Don't, don't post all of those. Uh, uh, <laughs> Haley Williams, the lead singer of Paramore, yeah. talks about that very specific thing with songs with Misery Business. Misery I Business. Mean, she could an, change the line, but like, yeah, yes. but it's a huge <laughs> song. But a lot of, you know, talked about not wanting to perform it because the person she was when she wrote that, what she was singing about, and the language that she used isn't who she is anymore. And, you know, you understand where it came from, but at the same time, it's the, I don't want this to be what I put out in the world. This isn't, this isn't the, the words I want to sing, but you show up to yeah, a Paramore yeah. show and that's what a lot of people know and yes. want to hear. That's yeah, the, no, uh, absolutely. Like, you said her name. I said, oh, oh yeah, no, that's a lead singer of a band. They sing misery business. That's all I know. Yeah. I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even recalled Paramore. And even yeah. when you're like, oh, it's Paramore. Oh, okay, cool. All I know is misery business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stick it from the top. I didn't yep. like it then, but it's still stuck in my head. <laughs> it's catchy um, shit. Uh, you know what? Oh, I, A, I love that song. The other thing that I love <laughs> is muting Tony. No. <laughs> Uh, Adventure March is happening right now. Uh, if you are uh, into D&D at all, if you are into me and Steph at all, if you are into uh, doing something on a Thursday night, uh, hop on over to twitch.tv slash SRSBIC underscore network. That is the Serious Business Podcast Network's Twitch channel where you can see every Thursday night a new weird thing that uh, we are doing. So tomorrow night, if you are watching live, is a special, very special episode. Uh, one shot live show called Oops, All Guests. <laughs> uh, the gu <laughs> uh, they are, uh, Anthony is going to be running a session with all of the guests that we've been able to confirm from uh, season two so far. Uh, so we will have the real Adam Meta from Roaring Trainers podcast on. We will have Jen Chill from yeah. Botched, a D&D &D podcast, a D&D &D comedy podcast, whatever their tagline is now. <laughs> uh, we will have Big Bees, who is the best, uh, who we rated the other night when he was doing his drag show. Uh, we will have uh, Rebecca from the slanted hallway which is a mystery podcast um and anthony will be running a special one-off uh kind of one shot with all of those 
incredible guests that we've had. Uh, so make sure to check that out on twitch.tv slash SRSBIZ underscore network this week. Next week is our Tavern Night. Tavern Night, because uh, that is our third Thursday of the month. And then the week after that will be a live Q&A, right? Game night. Will be a special board <laughs> game night uh, that Mikey from the show is going to be running for us. And then finally on the fifth Thursday of March, because there are five Thursdays this year. Uh, fuck. Uh, there will be a live cast Q&A. So if you have any questions about Dungeons & Dragons, Steph, myself, uh, any of the rest of the cast, come ask them at the Q&A, uh, and we will do our best to answer them, unless it's not on brand. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, Trash Pandas, we love you. We love you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, Trash Pandas. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your platform of choice. And join the conversation with us on twitch.tv slash inadd pod at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, every Wednesday night.